Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Beverly. Beverly is a Filipino-Canadian-American. Whew! I, uh, yes, I love Canadians <laughs> and Filipinos. My brother-in-law is Filipino. I Americans, you know, hit or miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're all right. We're all right. <laughs> uh, she's an entrepreneur, businesswoman, philanthropist, uh, wife and mother of five children. Today, my words are not my friend. So just to give everybody a heads up. Uh, she is a founder, co-owner of Moistra, or not Moistra, Mostra, Mostra. <laughs> Coffee, mm-hmm. a specialty coffee roaster located in San Diego, California, and the recipient of international and coveted 2020 Micro Roaster of the Year Award by Roast Magazine. Woohoo! Oh, yeah. now I'm like, oh, maybe I need to get some coffee. Uh, <laughs> some girl. Yeah, I, I love coffee. As a classically trained opera singer with no prior business or coffee experience, Beverly is inspired to empower others to find their true, authentic selves and make intuitive and empathetic entrepreneurship the norm. Well, I love that. Yes. And I apologize for not being completely here. Uh, today was a good was a special right show. after the new year <laughs> yes that and like you know the stimulus check was was a hit today and I checked my bank account and I'm like it direct deposited last time what's going on here and then oh I gosh, look at the IRS too. thing oh no I looked at the IRS thing and it's, it was sent to a different bank account so I'm like freaking out they sent it to H&R Block instead of my bank account so now what? H&R Block has to send it to me yeah, because I filed that my taxes no with H&R Block last time. I know. When the last stimulus went to you? Yes, went directly into my what? bank account. The IRS does not have their stuff together. Okay, now I need to check because like ours isn't in either. I'm like, where is this? Yeah, did you file with H&R Block last year? Yeah. Then maybe it happened to you too. <laughs> Everybody I know who filed with H&R Block, it happened to, and I was just like, that is some crazy. Now it's showing pending in my bank account, so. You're like, H&R Block, you are shady. (laughs) No, I don't even think it's them. I think the IRS is shady. That's who I think is shady. Anyways, so that's why I'm all over the place, because I was freaking out half the day about, like, where's my money, man? I have bills to pay. To pay. I mean, I got laid off um, at the beginning of- yeah, like March, I got laid off. Oh, and geez. so I was unemployed for a couple of months and I just found the job that I have now as an administrative assistant for a marketing company, um, but uh-huh. I don't get as many hours. So it's been like rough on the bank account. Yeah. Got it. But it so allows like, me to work like remote. It helps supplement. Yeah. Right. So you're also, working from home? Yeah, which is great because the kids, my kids are hybrid. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. yeah it's a fun time. It's a fun time. I'm like, I don't know how other people are doing this, but I know it's a, it's a mess. It is a mess. It is a mess. It's a mess. Um, so tell us, uh, we could, we could talk about COVID and the stimulus and the mess that it is all day long. Um, but tell us a little bit, like, how did this opera singer to entrepreneur journey happen? 
<laughs> because like going from like being an opera singer to having a coffee company, there's, that's a big jump. That's a big jump, right? Yeah. You know what? That's probably one of the most popular questions that gets asked of me. It's like, how do you go from opera singing to coffee? Um, but it's a lot closer than people think. Well, one, uh, my best friend and business partner, we named it Mostra, which actually means performance in Italian. So because I have my background in opera singing and she um, is an actress and a TV host and she spent many years in Los Angeles. So we really wanted to bring that aspect of performance in the coffee. So um, it's actually pretty similar, you know, when it, when it comes to being a musician and an opera singer at that, a classical musician, the attention to detail that you have to focus on is um, that, that aspect of attention to detail is the same thing as in coffee. You have to learn, there's so many nuances to coffee. People, you know, don't even realize, I didn't even realize because Prior to having a coffee roasting business, I didn't even drink coffee. Oh, I actually didn't drink it for many years either. I just started like two years ago. <laughs> I just, I was, we have know, a coffee frappuccino press. girl. Yeah. The frappuccino girl that liked, you know, the, the cream with like a splash of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I was the person that didn't know that you had a roast coffee. I just thought it came brown. So... <laughs> So on our journey, finding out all of the little details that it takes to actually roast really great coffee, that it's the same thing as in music, you know, all the little details that go into making an amazing musician and to be able to sing opera and learning the language and all the details and um, making sure you have, you know, the right language diction, you know, all those little details is the same thing with coffee, knowing all of the different flavor profiles, you know, how each bean sounds in the roaster. I mean, it's all these little details that I've been able to transfer all of those soft skills that I developed as a musician into coffee. So, and for us, it's all about giving our best performance in the coffee because we know what it's like to be in the zone. Have you watched Soul, the, mu- the movie? Yet? Yes. Oh my, such a good movie. Such a good movie. Such a good movie. And so they talk about in the zone, you know what I mean? And we know what that's like as performers to be in the zone. And so we put that same time and attention and effort in our coffee, hoping to inspire people to do the same in whatever they do, you know, whether they're a mom you know, an engineer, whatever. We just want to be able to inspire people to be the best versions of themselves. I love that. And, and it's really makes a good cup of coffee makes a difference. Uh, my sister who listens to the podcast and Anna, I love you, but you drink shit coffee. Um, <laughs> and when I go to her house and she makes me coffee and I drink it because, you know, I want my caffeine fix. Yeah, um, but I'm just like, no, because like here, I have gotten to the point with coffee because I used to be like you, like, or I used to be like how you used to be, like frappuccino. Like, right. I don't want not to taste coffee. the coffee, not real coffee. <laughs> but I've gotten to the point now where, you know, I just have like a little dash of my creamer and my coffee, and that's it. And I'll, I'll and enjoy good it. good coffee, that's all you need, right? Yes. 
Yes. So I, it, it definitely makes a difference. It's, it makes a difference. So what made you decide to stop being an opera singer? So, I mean, currently I still have my voice studio. I still teach a few students. I do. I can't completely let it go. But for me, the journey started back in 2009 when I was doing a lot of work with the Filipino community here in San Diego. My best friend and business partner, Jalyn, we both were doing work with the community. And then we took a trip out to the Philippines, actually. And um, during that time, I hadn't been to the Philippines since I was four. So that was, what is that, 86, I think, was the last time I had been there. And we learned a lot about entrepreneurship, social entrepreneurship, social enterprise we learned a lot about all the different resources that the Philippines actually has. And for me, prior to that, all I knew was poverty when it came to the Philippines, unfortunately. You know, that's the reason why my parents had immigrated out of the country and moved to Canada was because they wanted opportunity for themselves and for their kids. So that's all I knew until I started learning about all these amazing resources that the land has, but they don't have anybody to sell it to. So we came back from that trip and we thought, okay, how can we, or what business can we create so that we can create sustainable livelihoods for people over there? Because when I was over there, I was like, and I was interacting with the kids and all of the, all of the people in the village, I, at the farms, I said, you know, the only difference between myself and these people is opportunity. Right. That could have been me. Mm -hmm. You know, my kids could have been those kids. And I just won the lottery because my parents immigrated out of the country, you Mm -hmm. know, and we've been able to have all of this opportunity. So what can we do to be able to give back so that they don't have to do that anymore? Right. So we spent the next, you know, um, three years just kind of racking our brain. And then we were going to, we always wanted to start a business together. My best friend and I, we've been best friends since high school and there was an opportunity to open up this bakery in my husband's skilled nursing facility. We were like, sure, we don't bake, but (laughs) (laughs) we'll give it a go. But my other best friend does. So, you know, we said, yeah, let's, let's open something up there, but let's provide, you know, something better than cured coffee because there was doctors and family members and nurses and that's their lifeline, you know, when they're working. So we had called up a friend of ours who ended up being one of our business partners and his name is Mike and he's a fine dining chef and he was posting all this fancy coffee stuff on his Facebook and his social media. And we said, Hey dude, can you like teach us about coffee? Because we know nothing about coffee, but we want to be able to open this place up. So he said, fine. So he, he takes us around to different roasters in San Diego And one of them was called Bird Rock Coffee Roasters. And at that time in 2012, they were micro roaster of the year. So he was, he was talking about them. Like, this is the best roaster in the country. And we were like, oh my God, wow, that's so amazing. It's in San Diego. And he's like, here, try this coffee, like black with nothing in it. (laughs) It was like drip coffee, a double espresso. And I was like, hell no, I'm not doing that. That's so disgusting. (laughs) <laughs> and he said, no, seriously, just try it. So we tried it. And I don't even want to say that it was like amazing, but it wasn't tasting like charcoal. So right, right. <laughs> it had flavor, you know, there was lemon, there was chocolate, there was nut, 
So I was like, what? Why does it taste like this? And he said, well, that's what happens when you have really good coffee that's sourced really well and roasted really well and brewed really well. So I'm that kind of person that when I start getting into something, I'm a research fanatic. Same, I start same. Googling everything. I want to know the technicalities of everything, right? So I started researching and through that research, I found out that the Philippines grows specialty Arabica coffee, which oh. I had no idea about because in the Philippines, all we ever hear of is Barocco coffee, which is a different kind of coffee, but we never hear about Arabica coffee. So I just did more research and then talked to my best friend about it. And we said, okay, scratch the bakery. We're not going to be bakers anymore. <laughs> We're going to be roasters. <laughs> so we said, this is the plan. We're going to be a roastery. We don't roast coffee, but we're going to get Mike to be our business partner and he's going to roast coffee, but he doesn't roast coffee either, but he's a fine dining chef. So, I mean, he cooks, so he must be able to roast coffee, right? <laughs> so we're going to be roasters. We are going to build this amazing brand and we are going to create a demand for Philippine coffee and we are going to cre create sustainable livelihoods to people in the Philippines. We don't know any farmers, coffee farmers in the Philippines, by the way, at this point. So we just put that dream out in the universe and we said, this is what we're going to do. Told my mom, she was like, are you crazy? You don't know anybody there. You're an opera singer. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I just really feel in my heart that this is going to work. So she gave us $10,000. Oh my gosh. You know, we bought a 10,000. I mean, we bought, yeah, we bought a $10,000 roaster. My best friend, Jalen, her grandparents gave us money and bought our first four bags of beans. They were 125 pounds each. Oh wow. We had no customers at the time. <laughs> we just said, oh, let's just buy, you know, over 400 pounds of coffee. <laughs> that sounds like a, a solid choice. That sounds like a, a good idea. And then we just, we parked it in my garage and then we roasted coffee, you know? So it wasn't, it wasn't like a, uh, I'm doing music and now I'm not going to do music. It was just something that was called to us and right. the opportunity was there. And so I was doing this and I had my studio, studio simultaneously and that's still the case today that's amazing so <laughs> how I how won you guys won 2020 micro roaster of the year yeah mm -hmm. how the hell have you managed to do that during a pandemic I'm just sitting here listening to you talk and I'm like you know a lot of people haven't done so well <laughs> I I know so the 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 word gets um gets awarded to the roastery in uh, the summertime before okay. their winning year. So we found out in August of 2019 gotcha. that we had won. The prior, the year prior to that, we were in the top three. Wow. We lost by like 0 0.06. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And then we reapplied again the following year and then we won it. So we spent, you know, most of the fall, it got announced officially in October. And then we spent, you know, November, December, and January really promoting it. And then March hit and then, and then the pandemic happened. So um, just like any other business we pivoted, you know, we have two shops in San Diego and 
we definitely saw a drop inside our stores by about 30% mm -hmm. once the pandemic happened and, you know, there were stay at home orders and people couldn't go out, but then our e-commerce jumped 600% yeah. or so. And thank God we were 2020 micros for the year because everybody was searching up, you know, the best roasters in the country and we would come up. Right. So, so it worked out. It, 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 it was sucky that it was a pandemic and at the same time it worked out really well for us. And, you know, I, I don't think anything doesn't happen for a reason. I think everything has its purpose and, and I think it was the right year for us to win. Yeah. That definitely helped the business stay afloat for sure. Yeah. I mean, that word. And you're right. Like pivoting is so important. That's what I've been saying all along is the businesses that survive at the end of this whole hopefully knock on wood there is an end um, <laughs> at the end of this uh are the ones that pivoted right the ones that had like an online shop you could order from or they created one yeah. or like my local restaurants um i live in connecticut and at our lockdown they shut down all the restaurants and everything um you couldn't mm -hmm. do dine-in um but the local restaurants that are still open today are the ones that decided, okay, I'm going to open a way for people to order online and we will bring it to them when, when they pull up, you know, like it's right. the restaurants that closed down were the ones that when the lockdown happened, just shut their doors and didn't do right. anything, you know, yeah. and that pivoting is so important. Um, so is. I completely, I completely agree with you on that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as it, as soon as it happened, we were like, okay, how do we implement a curbside service? Mm -hmm. You know, so we got together with a, an app that provided that and, and built our own curbside app and people were able to order and just park in one of the spots, let us know that, you know, that they're there. And then we brought out the coffee to them or put it in their trunk, you know? Um, so as soon as we did that, then we started seeing the numbers creep up again because we were providing a safe, you know, space for people to still be able to enjoy their coffee. But I mean, especially here in California, it's been rough in Southern mm -hmm. California, um, just with, you know, a second shutdown again, um, no outdoor dining here either. Oh my gosh. We at least have outdoor dining, but it's cold now. So, yeah, yeah, no. But some no restaurants have created yeah. like a little igloo outside. Like it's like a little right? thing you go. I don't go, but like a little it, it, like igloo type looking thing that you can go and sit in and eat. That's supposed to retain the heat from like the heat lamp or whatever that's inside. Yeah, like they've gotten right. creative. People have spent you know so much money on their outdoor situation, which is kind of creating an indoor situation. But hey. <laughs> You gotta it get works. creative. <laughs> gotta get creative. I know. <laughs> uh, I feel it, and uh, you know, I'm I'm so glad you guys were able to to pivot and figure it out. I mean, like I've said to people yeah. before, you know, you you have to make. Yes, yeah, some people just don't care. Like some people just don't care about what risks they're going to take, but others want to be very careful. And if you create, like you said, a way for them to still be safe, but come and get your coffee, they're going to be like, yes, yeah. please give me some coffee. Yeah. And there was so much pressure in the beginning, you know, because you saw other businesses, in my opinion, prematurely shut down yeah. when there was no actual order for them to shut down, you know, mm -hmm. um, because 
they, and I totally get it. They wanted to be responsible. There wasn't enough information. You know, they thought they were doing the right thing by keeping everyone safe by just closing their doors altogether, you know, but I don't, I don't think it had to be one or the other, you know, it was like, how can we be able to provide a service to people still and be safe and still follow all the mandates that are being put out there. Yeah. It's rough. My heart goes out to all the business owners out there. It really does because I just, I can't imagine like, um, so I don't want to talk about the pandemic all day because it's in our news feeds. It's everywhere. It's, it doesn't go away. <laughs> Bombarded. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what are some surprising things you've learned about coffee? Because see, I know nothing beyond the fact that I drink it. And uh, we have uh, coffee presses or the French press coffee press or whatever yeah. it's called. So we get the whole beans and we grind it in our grinder. So it's nice. you have to have like the so coarse. Grind fresh. Yeah. Yes. And you have to have the mm-hmm. coarse um, grounds too, or else the filter right. doesn't yeah, catch yes. them. So that's beyond that is, you know, I found like a, a kind that I like and I keep ordering it because I'm scared to try different ones. Um, but like, like I said, um, I like medium roast. Uh, okay. It's uh, kicking ass coffee, kicking horse, kicking. It's got a, a donkey on it. <laughs> okay. Okay. What um, kind of coffee is it? Is it a blend? No, no, I don't think so. Let me, I can look it up on my phone and, and tell you exactly what it <laughs> is. Um, but I found this after trying a few and I was like, oh no, I really enjoy this and I want to keep drinking it. My husband's more of a dark roast person, but I, it, dark roast is just too much for me. Too much. Especially yeah. as a French press. It's a lot. Yeah. So I don't, I don't do that. So he will, he will come with the medium roast with me. So I went medium. I used to go like the really light roast. Not anymore. I do medium. It's our compromise. Okay. <laughs> medium is like a really good balance. So it is kicking horse, not kicking ass, uh, coffee. Close, close and the enough. one I get is called smart ass. And it says it's cheeky, bright, and precocious. Uh, let me find uh-huh. the, the, uh, the, I'm on, I'm on, uh, Amazon. Flavor notes. Yeah. The tasting note, the aroma is sweet syrup, vanilla bean, and stone fruit. The tasting notes mm-hmm. are tart red currant, notes of sugar cane, and milk chocolate, and honey berry body. Mm, okay yeah. i'm gonna so, send you something in that arena sounds good to me i seem to like the ones that have a little more fruity notes um oh good yeah where my husband's more he likes like, like the ones that are like tobacco <laughs> like, tobacco like, leather yeah like it's crazy like, stuff. i'm like no Give me the chocolate or the honey or the like fruity, but like when it starts like tobacco notes, I'm like, "Mm, no, (laughs) No." I'm out. (laughs) I'm out. So anyways, what are some surprising things that you found out about coffee? Well, okay. So given the fact that I knew nothing about coffee, right? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Like I didn't even know it grew on a tree. (laughs) (laughs) I did. You just told me something I didn't know either. <laughs> right. And a cherry. It's, it's, there's, you pick these cherries, coffee cherries off of a tree and it's the seed inside of the cherry. 
the more you know, right? The more you know. So that's the coffee bean is the that's the coffee inside. bean inside. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, right when I was starting learning about coffee, that was very that was eye opening. But I think the biggest shock for me when I first was learning coffee was that it could taste like something other than like tar or charcoal. Yeah. And I mean, that's not a knock on Starbucks because there's definitely a place for that kind of roast and people love that, you know, they're really smoky. They want to taste roast to not flavor necessarily. No, I want a flavored latte when I go there. Right. I don't want to taste the, the actual espresso. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was associated with something burnt and I didn't, you yeah. know, I didn't know why anybody wanted to drink that until I started, you know, drinking really uh, well-roasted coffee, sourced coffee. And then there would be notes of blueberry, you know, oh. or fruit. So you love the fruity stuff, which is great. We have this, we have an Ethiopia Hambella that is straight up blueberry. You put some cream in it and it tastes like a blueberry donut. It's, and that's not a, a, a flavor we add in there. It's just inherent to the bean. It's the right. farming. So to have those kinds of flavor notes come out in coffee was wild to me. Cause that was just not my reality of coffee when I first started learning it, but you could have strawberry, you could, taste mango I've tasted mango right. in something before jasmine which is which is a big one as well you could taste all those things chocolate dark chocolate different kinds of chocolate you know growing up I all I think... knew was like Folgers like that's why I never drink too, in the can you no in the can right yeah. <laughs> that was my reality too but uh you know, I would, I would see these tasting notes, these flavor notes on, on coffee, like vanilla bean, muscovado sugar, baker's chocolate versus dark chocolate. And I thought, can you really taste that? Is that for real? But then you can, you really can taste all of those different flavors. And I just think that's, it's, it's wild. That was yes. probably the most surprising thing for me, for sure. When I first started learning about coffee. So you pick the cherry, you take the seed out. Yep. Then what happens next? And then, and then you can do a, wa- they do a washing process where um, they have to wash the bean. There's, there's a whole fermentation process that happens, a drying process. And this is all handpicked. So any, so for everyone out there, every single bean that you see in your coffee bag, someone is handpicking that coffee from the tree. So every time I drop a coffee bean, I feel terrible. Probably not with Folgers. Folgers probably Probably has like a... Right, right. Yeah, probably. They probably have like some sort of machine that does it because they... That just does all of that, for sure. (laughs) Nestle, any of those corporations. But yeah, the, the high quality specialty Arabica coffee, you know, that's all handpicked and you know the cherry has to be ripe it can't be under it can't be over um even after they pick it they sort it at the very end to make sure that all the beans are uniform because when it comes to specialty coffee it's all graded um a lot of these farms you know they don't have the money to pay for organic certification or anything like that but specialty coffee you know 
is graded at a really high standard. So out of a hundred, I, you know, it has to score over an 80 to be able to be deemed a specialty coffee. Wow. And, you know, these, these beans have to be, they can't have insect, you know, infestation in it, you know, all the beans have to be relatively the same size, you know, uniformity, color is all important. So it's this whole other world, just the whole chain, you know, um, for coffee is, is crazy, the supply chain, everything that happens at every part of the chain is so once they've sorted it and rinsed it and fermented and dried and done the things, it goes in a bag and then it goes to you guys. Right, it gets in a, it goes in a bag. And most of these farms are in the mountains, you know, high elevation. They don't have helicopters that are flying the stuff down, so it gets, it gets put on a horse or a donkey. It goes down the mountain and then it gets imported and shipped out. So there's a ton of work that goes into the coffee and I think it's important for people to really understand that process too you know when they go inside a, a shop a specialty shop and they see that a bag of coffee is 23 bucks 25 bucks right you know, to know exactly why it costs that much right because it really is a handcrafted product <laughs> right even like the one that I I order from which isn't I mean isn't like super specialty even theirs, you're talking about like $13, $15 a bag. Yeah, like, and they're little bags. They're not like big, gigantic, but nobody can see what I'm doing with my hands, but you can. They're not gigantic <laughs> bags. Like right, these are right. little bags. They're not five pound bags, two pound bags of coffee. No, my husband and I go through like three or four of those bags a month, like between uh, yeah, the two easy. of us. Yeah. So easy. Yeah. Yeah. Because we drink coffee like almost every day. <laughs> right. I I don't know how I'm not I don't know how to survive without it. <laughs> <laughs> the girl that went from not drinking any coffee is now a coffee drinker. <laughs> I do like to try every like month or so to take a couple days off because I guess you can build a caffeine tolerance. And if you totally. take like a couple days Without, yeah, I reset. So I don't have to drink like multiple coffees a day. Just one. Yes. Just one. And I'm good. Just one cup. That's all I need. One cup in the morning and that's it. I'm good. Yeah. 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 I'm caffeine or ca caffeine sensitive anyway. So if I have it like too late in the day or I have too much, I'm not sleeping well the night. You're not sleeping? No. I feel that way about cold brew coffee. Have you had oh, really? cold brew before? Yes. I, I just, I don't know why just with cold brew coffee, I cannot, I can't handle it. It's too much for me. I get jittery. I start sweating. <laughs> I get I that get way. I up. have a latte. <laughs> I have a latte. I'm just like, <laughs> really? The espresso? Yes, the espresso. <laughs> That's my favorite though. If I had my choice, my top is an espresso specifically a honey latte just, just a latte with honey in it um and then probably just a drip coffee after that yeah I do drink lattes I just get very like lots wired. and lots of energy I'm wired you get jittery like you need to like eat something like shaky sometimes sometimes it depends on how big of a latte I get <laughs> 
Now you're talking about having like a quad shot in there. <laughs> it's not a double shot anymore. <laughs> if I just have like one of the, like the, I don't know, um, like at Dunkin', it's like a small. If At Starbucks, <laughs> it's like a tall. I don't know. They have different names for them. So, so many different names. Yeah. So if it's the smaller one, I'm good. But if it's like the large, oh no. Oh, hell no. I'm just going to be like. Where are you? Where do you live? Uh, Connecticut. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I went to school in Boston. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah, I'm from uh, northern New York originally, so. Okay. Yeah, way up there. I actually lived in Worcester, Mass. when I was a little kid for a little while. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Very familiar. Yes. So, uh, the north. I like it, and people are just like, it's too cold. I'm like, no, I really like it up here. I love it. I love it. I live in the wrong state. <laughs> My husband wants to live where you are because he's like, I miss California. His dad was in the Navy. California? Well, he was born in San Diego. His dad was in the Navy. So they lived there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, I miss California and I miss San Diego. And I was like, do they get snow? And he's like, no. And I'm like, I don't want to go. (laughs) You got to drive. And you know that people are from California because they say we're going to the snow like it's a place. (laughs) (laughs) We're driving to the snow. Like, <laughs> I lived in Florida for a couple of years when I was a teenager, and I met people who had never seen snow in their entire lives in person. And I'm like, life. what? Is that I possible? Yes, I love it too. I I lived in Virginia for a little while, and I really missed it. Um, so yeah. you received the the bag of beans or bags of beans, and then you guys put it in the roaster. Yes. So once we get a shipment of these beans, they're raw. So, you know, you'll hear people say, people say um, green beans because they're literally green. And then what happens is that uh, we'll sample roast it. So we have a a little sample roaster that takes a few grams of the coffee and then we'll sample roast it. We'll take one type of coffee and then we'll do several sample roasts and then our coffee team will taste all of the different samples and they'll decide what roast they want to go with, what roast level they want to go with. So it's, it's a pretty crazy process. So at the farm level, they will cup. And when we say cup, it's basically tasting. So in coffee, it's called cupping. So they'll cup the coffee on the farm level to decide whether or not that coffee is worthy of being out in the market, basically. Wow. You know, does it score high enough to sell it in a specialty market? Once that happens, we get it. We sample roast that coffee in different levels. We cup it and then we decide, okay, we want to go with this roast level and put it out to market. And then we'll throw it in the big boy, which is 25 pound roaster. You roast 25 pounds at a time um, at that roast level. And then they bag it and it gets, you know, sent out to the stores and then they're continuously cupping those coffees every single day to just taste and make sure that the quality is holding. Gotcha. Make sure yeah. it's like the so, same as what you sold. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Exactly. Holy yeah. crap. There's so much that goes into coffee and now I appreciate my coffee even more. Right. So <laughs> much. And even when we started this, I don't, think we realized that we were actually getting into manufacturing 
We're not just receiving these roasted beans. You have to do the whole damn thing. <laughs> so, so you so really the heartbeat of our business is our production facility. So y'all, um, you sell it in your stores. Yeah. Um, and you sell it online, but then you also sell it to local grocery stores. Yeah. So grocery stores, different businesses, restaurants. So we have a wholesale program as well. And our really unique uh, niche is the craft beer industry. So, yeah. So we're probably the number one coffee provider for craft beer in the nation. So we've done over 600 beer collaborations. What kinds? Because my husband loves beer and he loves coffee type beers so much. Like maybe there's a a lot of stouts. Yeah, he loves stouts and porters. Stouts. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna send I'm gonna send you guys some stuff. I would love that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I will tell everybody about it. (laughs) Yeah, no, we've done a a lot because coffee is very typical in stouts, you know, but we've done IPAs, we've done porters, we've done a lot of different kinds of beers. Um, And, you know, for for beer, for craft beer, it used to just be, hey, just grab a bag of beans from anywhere, you know, because it's an ingredient and just throw it into the beer and that's that. But um, our business partner, Mike, he is a craft beer enthusiast himself. He's super passionate about the process and he's a chef at the same time. So, you know, what has happened is that he works with these breweries and it's a true collaboration where they try the base beer without any coffee in it. He tastes what that tastes like. And then they pick a coffee, you know, based on, you know, what they want out of the beer, the flavor notes they want from the beer. Um, And then we'll do a special roast for a lot of these breweries so that, you know, it's, uh, it really, it's not just an ingredient anymore. You know, it's, it's unique really to them. It's, it's unique to them. Yeah. Yeah. So it ends up being a real collaboration experience. And, and now, you know, we're on the bottles, our logo, logo is on their bottles. And then what has happened because, you know, there's a lot of barrel age stuff, you mm-hmm. know, in, in craft beer. So once they are done with their barrels, they'll send it to us. And then we'll throw either cold brew in it or we'll throw coffee in it and we'll barrel age cold brew or we'll barrel age coffee wow. beans. It ends up being a full 360 collaboration experience where, you know, then we put the brewery name on our beans and then we sell it out to the marketplace. So it's really awesome because there's so much cross marketing going on. There's so much collaboration going on. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's about people. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So there's so much coffee out there. There's so many options, but what sets us apart, I think, is the fact that we truly have such an emphasis on collaborating with people, whether that's farmers, whether that's craft breweries, whether that's restaurants, whether those are pastry chefs. I mean, you name it, we've done so many different collaborations with people to community build. Yeah, those relationships make a difference though. Like makes a huge yeah. difference. It it does. Cause it's gotta be more than the coffee, right? Right. There's right. gotta be it's gotta be a bigger vision and purpose than the product itself. Yeah. So Well, yeah. I really I really miss well, I mean, I just moved to Connecticut like last year's and then of course 
I'd only been here not even a year and a pandemic hits. Uh, so I never got before. I was living in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Oh, okay. so near Virginia so Beach. From Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. And I miss being in that area where there was all these little tiny uh, coffee shops with all like these special blends and they were like small. Uh, they were just small little ones. They, they, they like some of them brewed their or roasted their own coffee beans and did. And I miss that. And I'm sure it's up here, but I haven't been able to like go out and actually discover it. Things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I missed that because it was so nice because I go and it, it wouldn't taste just like coffee. It wasn't like I could get this anywhere. It was like unique to that one coffee shop. And I'm like, oh, I really yeah. love this drink for, from their shop. Cause you know, yes. Yeah. So I, I understand. Like I never knew the love for that before. Cause where I'm from, you don't really have a lot of that. Cause I'm from like podunk Canadian, uh, Canada adjacent, like Northern New York where you like, what, what city? Um, Potsdam. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm actually from a small town right near Potsdam. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. I have a friend who is from there. Gotcha. Yeah. But it's very small. It's a very small area. So like, there's not a lot of like these like specialty roaster. There might be now, but when I was a kid, you didn't have that. You didn't have these. Yeah. But I'm sure there are near me. I just have not got out to explore because of COVID. Right. (laughs) I think so. In Connecticut, there should be. I'm near Mystic. Yeah, I'm near Mystic, Connecticut. So there probably is. Okay. And how far? You're not that far from Boston then either, right? No, I think it's two and a half hours. Oh, okay. That's not, I mean, in California, that's like. No, that's nothing here either. And that's the entire state of Connecticut. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, Connecticut's very small. Like you can go from one end to the other in like two and a half hours from top to bottom in like two hours. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. The whole state. But I mean, I share because I can understand the, the like need and love for that kind of experience and that kind of coffee. Cause it's not just like, you're not just getting coffee. It's a whole experience. It's a whole experience. And that's what for me is all what it's about. Even if you come into our shop, you know, most, a lot of coffee shops, the bar is really high, right? They have this big box espresso machine and you're kind of like, what's going on back there? Right. What do they have behind there? If you go into one of our shops, all of the bars are really low. We have this beautiful in-counter espresso machine because we want to have that connection with people, mm-hmm. which is really obviously hard now. Yeah. But, you know, we wanted people, it's almost like an open kitchen, you know, you right. just see everything going on. We have this one drink called a creme brulee latte. So oh. we put, you know, brown sugar at the top and then we torch it, you know, so people see the whole torching process, you know, there are these beautifully almost plated drinks. And it truly becomes an experience because you're right there looking at it happening in front of you, you know, versus behind this really tall counter. And, and the baristas, you know, end up t- talking to the customers and ends up being, um, and it's not everybody's cup of tea, you know, people are like, okay, just give me my damn drink. I gotta go. Right. <laughs> and that's fine. You know, that's why you have Starbucks and you have all these other options, but I mean, at least before COVID, when people would come in, 
the customers that really appreciated it knew they were going to at least spend maybe 15 minutes there, 20 minutes to just kind of get that whole experience. So that was the little coffee shops I went to in Virginia too, were the same way. It's like, you weren't going to just get your coffee and go. Like it was like a full experience and I loved it. And I loved like they would put the the coffee or latte or whatever in like a little cup and they would make little designs on the top. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Your heart, your Rosetta design. That's exactly what we do also, you know, and it's, it's about making connections with people. So we really have built the business to, um, we have a a, a tagline that says, you know, be the reason why people see the goodness in humanity. And, you know, we tell our, our staff to strive to be that every single day because they're not just giving a cup of coffee and starting people's days. The more that we can give a great experience for people in our shops and connect with them and also make really great coffee that ends up affecting the whole supply chain back to the farmers. They're relying on us to push that coffee so that they can create a sustainable livelihood for themselves. So we try to, we don't try, we do tell our staff that we always have to have that perspective in mind. It's bigger than the coffee itself. Well, I'm going to link up your website in the show notes so people can pick up some of your coffee, have it sent to them if they aren't near San Diego. If they're near San Diego, stop by. Please, stop by. Check it out. Do a pickup if you need to. Um, Before we end this, what is something you would like to leave the Inspired Women audience with? Just that, especially with everything going on, for me, I'm so inspired to make empathic and intuitive entrepreneurship the norm. When I started this business, I was very intimidated. I didn't have any business background at all. And when you're starting a business, there's a lot of masculine energy around it. There's a lot of business jargon around it and you can get really uh, just caught up in, in, uh, uh, you know, business plans and valuation of your company and all sorts of shit that I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) And I found after doing this business for seven years that my greatest gift and my uh, greatest weapon is my own feminine energy of intuition Mm. and, being able to tap in. And when someone says, Hey, here's a great opportunity. You know, all the numbers look great. I say, can I meditate on that (laughs) a second? And, you know, I used to feel weird and bad about it. And people would be like, what, what is this? Woo crap. (laughs) I get it. I totally get it. I've been there too. Right. And, but to, uh, you know, I want to inspire women that that is that woman intuition is, a gift Mm -hmm. and a strength. And that's the superpower. And in addition to that, just showing true empathy in business. I think that that masculine energy too, and and I don't want to say that there's no place for it because there is, right? but I think that you, you know, growing up, you always hear, Hey, like, don't bring, you know, your emotions to the workplace or it's just business 
don't take it personal. It's just business. And I say that's bullshit. You know, when you have, when you feel purposeful and passionate about what you do, it is personal and it is emotional. Right. And people are putting their hearts and souls into things. And I think that we need to show true empathy, more true empathy. Mm, Yeah. Business, you know, mental health is real. Mental health right now is too effing real. And when people feel like they can't be their raw, authentic selves at the workplace because they feel like they have to hide that, I think it sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we be a business that prides itself in humanity and being human and not show that to people that work for us that are going through things? So for me, it's how do you kind of, um, how do you shift that whole idea of how a business should be run right society or how society says a business should be run you know yeah the best businesses i think break the mold that's that's i've always seen the ones that are the best absolutely we had uh, i had a guest several years ago her name's uh katie seller um and she owns metal marvels and they have like bracelets and necklaces and rings and like like coffee mugs and all sorts kind of fun and they have swear words on them they have like inspirational like empowering (laughs) quotes and I love it because I buy this I buy all of my close friends like one of the bracelets that like are you know are are closest to who they are like I just got one of my friends uh one that says mom is fuck like (laughs) I I love it yes but you know it was unique it broke the mold she just kind of said I don't care what society thinks whether they think that this is acceptable for me to be making these things she went and did it and it is doing great (laughs) right right it's about having to kind of think out of that construct that we've grown up in you know and I don't I'm not saying that it's all bad but just to really think outside the box and and how can we be more human towards each other how can we be more kind to each other it's so crazy these days just it is it is crazy (laughs) you know it's like you see the good the bad and the ugly and at the same time putting a label to what's good bad and ugly has created so much divisiveness you know, mm-hmm. how do we just show like em- real, real empathy knows no judgment. Mm-hmm. And care about our fellow human beings. <laughs> right. And to care about our fellow human beings. Exactly. Well, so, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yes. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.